1: miraculous stories continue to emerge from the sadness. More than a week on from the deadly earthquakes which have devastated Turkey and Syria. In the latest rescue, a 17-year-old girl has been pulled alive from the rubble in Karaman Marish, more than 10 days later. But these stories are becoming a rarity. For so many, their relatives are still missing or are among the now more than 42,000 known to have died. Still in Karaman Marish, search and rescue teams are sifting through a mountain of rubble. All that remains of a flat where Hava Kamchen's granddaughter lived with her brother and parents. Only the brother was found alive and is now safe with his aunt and uncle granddaughter Hidayet Ela Göksu, remains unaccounted for. She was a very sweet girl, at the age of 11. She used to say, Grandma, we are all together. She was very smart and incredibly bright. She was very beautiful and had dimples on her cheek. She was so cute with black eyes and dimples. She was chubby and very sweet. I want to find her, wherever she is. Hidayet's grandfather, Talat Kamche, says the family has lost many relatives.
0: At the moment, my daughter, son-in-law and one of my grandchildren have passed away. My sister and brother-in-law passed away in another building. Our psychological condition is inexplicable at the moment. We are in a very difficult situation.
1: Scores of people remain homeless and in need of tents for temporary shelter following the earthquake. But in the Syrian town of al Talul near the Turkish border, their woes have been compounded by flooding. Locals say they discovered cracks in a small dam nearby after the earthquake and tried to fortify it with sandbags. This woman, Mayada, says heavy rains swelled the river and flooded what little was left of the buildings in town, covering fields and homes in murky brown water. After the quake then with the floods, no one managed to sleep, not even for ten minutes. No one got any rest. We stayed on the streets with our children, my mother, my father, my brother, my sisters and my neighbours, all under the rain and cold. In the northern Syrian town of Jindiris, looting has become an issue. Residents like Mahmoud Sabri say thefts have been taking place since the first rescue operations in the town.
0: They are stealing appliances like fridges, washing machines, money, gold, and whatever they find. They take whatever they find, and we do not know where they are coming from.
1: The looting has prompted one of the Syrian rebel factions known as the Al-Shakaya Army to volunteer to stand guard. Faction member Mohammed Al-Stayef says they've been taking turns to stand sentry in 24-hour shifts to protect the property of the townspeople. We tried
0: to cover some neighbourhoods. We tried to cover four or five neighbourhoods, and we did it with the help of God. Our duty as soldiers is to help our brothers, the civilians here, because there are some ill-intentioned people who are trying to steal from here and there.
1: But among these stories of greed are more tales of generosity. The Turkish Consul General in Jerusalem, Ahmet Reza Demera, went to a textiles factory in Hebron to receive a shipment of sleeping bags donated on behalf of the Palestinian people to earthquake victims.
0: At the beginning, on the earthquake area, we needed lots of, I mean, materials, starting from food to clothes. But now, the urgent needs are blankets, are sleeping bags, are tents,
1: the production manager at the Al-Safin family factory is Raed Al-Safin. He says factory workers have increased their productivity for the relief effort.
0: In general, we make 1,000 sleeping bags a day. We do not forget the feelings of the workers in the factory for the victims. So they work hard and for long hours, because they are all convinced that every extra minute they work can help a woman, a child, or an old man there, and because of this they now produce 2,000 sleeping bags a day.
1: As emergency aid continues to pour in, Syrian President Bashir al-Assad has given a televised address, saying the resources they currently have are dwarfed by the scale of the economic, social and service challenges ahead. The United Nations agrees and has launched an appeal to the international community to contribute more than a billion dollars to help the millions in Turkey and Syria over the coming months. The International Red Cross says one of the most urgent of those needs relates to health. Secretary-General Jagan Chappajan says Syria was already battling more than one health crisis before the earthquake.
0: There are clearly concerns on the health concern, particularly in Aleppo. As you know, just before the earthquake, they already had cholera. And actually, we were supporting the cholera response. So now, people living in a community centre where the facilities are basic, and if this continues for a long period of time, there will be health consequences.
1: Even before the earthquake, there were some 4.1 million people in need of aid in northwest Syria, many of whom were already displaced and have now become homeless again. Chapagan says Syria could face more dangerous outbreaks of disease if they don't get housing soon.
0: It's still very, very cold, and people are living on these community centres. Uh, I must say that uh, you know, Syrian Arab Red Crescent was there very, very quickly, and many organisations are bringing aid. But they are still living on very basic conditions in very, very cold uh, school rooms, for example, uh, which I visited. So the shelter is really number one priority right now. I think we need to make sure that the people are moving to a warmer place.
1: In Turkey, there's some cautious optimism on the housing front. In the southern Hatay province, half the buildings had collapsed, been heavily damaged or needed to be quickly demolished. But Interior Minister Suleyman Soylu says the government is encouraging people to go back home. He says residents can track their building's status online and return if it's received a safe building report from the urbanisation ministry. Deborah Grawke, SBS News.